Hey, Hopefuls, you're listening to Babes with Hope with your hosts, Jessa, Tash, and Rachel. I'm Jessa. I'm a Potter nerd, history buff, and loving dog mom, and I'm an expert at helping you connect to your intuition and authentic self. And I'm Tash, a fun-loving, adventure-seeking world traveler, and my expertise is in organizational goal-setting. And I'm Rachel. I'm a figure skating, gym-loving Disney nerd, and I'm an expert at helping you uncover your innermost thoughts and emotions so you can discover your inner champion. And together, we're Babes with Hope. Awesome. What? (laughs) Nothing. I thought you were (laughs) gross. I was like, hey, hopefuls. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Um, Okay. And action. Hey, Hopefuls. Welcome back to another episode of Babes with Hope. We are coming from you live from the U.S. week of election. And let me tell you, we just had this really, really interesting conversation that sparked our topic for today. Um, So earlier today, we were all discussing kind of what our personal um, hardships are going through this debate and the election and kind of the overall feeling of human interaction, human kindness, and how we're just kind of relating to one another. And this ended up, ended us up on the topic of what we all believe humans initial, what it was it? (laughs) So I asked the question, this is Tash here, um, yeah. we're an emotional support Canadian over the border. <laughs> yes, I'm here to ask you. you, what do you think humans' basic instinct is? Basic instinct was, is yes. Is it fear or is it love? I said something different, Tash said something different, and then Rach said something that wasn't even an option. <laughs> And we were like, okay, I think this is something that we need to discuss because it's not necessarily like as juicy and controversial as discussing election and like politics and stuff like that, but basic, um, basic human instinct. And I think that that is juicy and lovely. And I want to say one thing really quickly that I just realized So the whole reason why I was talking about the election was I was talking about how frustrated it is to only be given two options, right? Mm -hmm. I just realized (laughs) when you said Rachel didn't even pick one of the options, I was like, oh, is that my pattern? (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. I don't want to pick one of the options presented, so I just make up my own option. That is hilarious. Yeah. Number three, please. Yeah. Yeah, What's the third option? So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Do either of you guys want to start us off? Okay. Let's, well, why don't we start with, yeah, myself or Tash? Because we are on either side of the fear and love topic. Yes. So Jessa said humans, natural, basic instinct is fear Mm -hmm. and I was on the other side of the scale where I said no it's love humans innately instinctly 
go to love. And then Rachel's over on option number three, and she said humans' basic instinct is selfishness. Yes, yeah, selfishness and self-preservation. Self-preservation. Okay. Like for me specifically, when I hear the term selfish, my mind goes to like negative connotation, which I don't, I, well, you tell me, is that your definition? Cause I feel like pre- self-preservation sounds like a better verbiage. Yes. I guess. And I, I don't mean selfish, like I'm going to steal $10 from you in order to feed right. my family. But what I mean by selfish is I am going to figure out how to feed my family first before I look right. over and see if you're okay. Self-preservation, self-focused. So, but, and, (laughs) and is that self-preservation coming from a place of fear or a place of love? I'm feeding my family because I love my family or I'm afraid my family is going to starve. Okay. And you can even take that one step further. Is that fear or love of needing to feed your family? If we're going back from like the very, very basic beginning of human society, we created tribes as a way of self-preservation. So if you're feeding your family, you're also just creating a situation in which yourself, you yourself are able to survive because you can't survive by yourself. So in that very like condensed, like narrowed down version, are you then being run by fear or love? I love this so much. <laughs> I'm like so giddy about this. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, for those listeners who can't see our video, <laughs> all three of our faces are just kind of like giddy and smiling like when we get excited to say something because this is a topic that we are passionate about as coaches. We believe that it is important to respect other people's views of the world. And here we are, we each view this basic question in a different way. And we're going to dive into it a little bit more here and unpack it and see how we can still love each other and respect each other and still be friends even though we have different views on what the basic nature of human beings are like this very (laughs) fundamental topic even though we don't agree we can still have the conversation around it and I'm excited to see what comes. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, this for me, like parallels perfectly with how I was feeling this morning when we got on the call, because the three of us have never really done a deep dive on our own, each individual political views, but it Mm -hmm. became apparent as we were talking that we have differing political views and yet we could listen to each other with respect and love and decency and that was really important to me. And I know we're going to carry that into this conversation as well, because we're awesome. You guys are awesome. awesome. I just love us. We're just so, (laughs) all of us are so cool. Um, No, I I totally agree. And I think the reason that I'm so excited to to talk about this is yesterday we were trying to figure out like what we wanted to talk about today. The topic of, you know, how interesting would it be for us to kind of have a debate about 
something. And of course, because, you know, this is the week of the US presidential election, I'm like, uh, I'm scared. We probably have different opinions. And like, even just to have that conversation seems scary. Um, and that was like the first thought of what I thought we were going to talk about. But to have this be our topic of discussion, like just pretty much plainly how we view people and humans as like a species is so much more than our political views, you know, like it's so to me, at least I, I should say it's so much more fascinating to just kind of like talk about like how we run individually as as people. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm getting so excited. I don't know why like, <laughs> some it. Beyonce just came into my mind. Who rule the world? Girls. Oh yeah. So it doesn't even matter. It's just like, yeah. <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, can I explain? Cause I feel like my answer is very complicated and maybe that's also a pattern of like, everything's complicated for me, <laughs> but this is why I like, I don't want to have to choose between this spectrum of fear and love, I guess. For me, now this is an individual perspective. I'm not saying that all people who believe in God feel this way or all you know, Christians feel this way or anything like that. I'm saying this is my personal perspective on love. Um, there's a scripture that says, we love God because he first loved us. So I guess in my interpretation of what that is, I feel like love comes from God and it is a gift that we need from him in order to have access to in our own lives. And so that's why I, I don't feel that humans are necessarily uh, innately love, yet I don't agree totally that they're innately fear either. I'm like, well, love is out there and we have free access to it but it isn't necessarily our nature, if that makes sense. I just wanted to explain kind of where I was coming from with not picking a side and being like, no, we have access to love. We also have access to fear. Um, and I think innately, we're just kind of born into this selfish, I'm seeing the world through only my own two eyes until I'm loved and then I love back. Right. But I'm very excited to hear what you guys think. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. And I think that it just goes to show that you know, like, it really depends on what lens you're using to see the mm -hmm. world through, you know? Yeah. It depends on your beliefs. It depends on your... <clears throat> So I was even just thinking like right before we started recording this about how it's probably not surprising at all that I would choose fear and Tash would choose love because lo basically look at our personalities and like also like what our own like what our own individual like pain points are and things like that like of course that's what we would choose individually um and so and then of course Rach if you're coming at it from that religious perspective yeah. of course you're going to choose that. So yeah. I just think that's so, it's so interesting. Um, <laughs> it needs to be said. However, I do feel very strongly about my opinion. <laughs> and I feel very strongly about my opinion because I can totally argue my ass right away. I feel like I could convince you guys to come onto my side. I feel um, just as strongly. So go ahead. 
let's do it. Let's have a debate and see if anyone changes their mind. And then we'll okay. know. We'll know once and for all. Do debates actually help? <laughs> <laughs> Does this change anything? Yeah, let's rock and roll. Yeah, so it kind of just makes me think about all three of us were raised in a very different way. Like, I don't even know if we have the same, like, religious upbringing. I don't think we do. Like, so we're all coming from a different place. And it just kind of feeds into this thing that um, Jessa actually said, was that systems create our thinking. So the systems around us are influencing the way that we think. And this is why I think that as a basic instinct, like human nature, we are given, like Rachel said, I, I love that. Like I'm not religious, but I love that you think that love is a gift from God. And that's just really beautiful because it is, and it can be the basic natural instinct and the society that we've grown up in, the system that we have been raised in, the thoughts and information that come at us and towards us have shifted us from our innate ability to love into a space of fear. So Mm -hmm. my argument basically is we are born a loving, beautiful creature with the innate instinct of basic love And that is like what we are born with. And through societal conditioning, the environment that we're raised in and the world around us have created this lens of fear that has fogged our ability to put love first. And the more you clean up that fog, the more you can use and tap into that love that is given to you as a gift and It gives you the ability to question what is in front of you. If you're able to see it from a place of love, you know that there's lots of different elements that go into something that you can love every thread of a blanket so that it's a blanket, right? So I don't know. It just helps you kind of expand your mind a little bit, knowing that love is in you, love is all around you, and it's just our nature back. Yes. Our basic feel. (laughs) I feel like a moderator right now, because I really want to say, Jessa, before you rebuttal, opening statement, why are humans innately fear? Um, Yeah, I have so much to say. So (laughs) my opinion is based in like homo sapiens as a species is based on our ancient brains um and so i do actually agree with you tash that we have love innately in us i don't disagree with you on that however is the question are we run by fear or are we run by love and i believe that based on our ancestors that we are run by fear now if you take that in that context you are run by fear to feed yourself to find comfort of other 
humans and a community um, and to just overall survive. I wouldn't say that you are run by a love of yourself to keep yourself alive. I would say that you're run by a fear of not dying, of being eaten by a lion, of being, you know, whatever the case may be. And so that fear, I would say, leads itself to love because what do you need in creating a community? You need love to keep yourself together. However, is love the driving force? I don't think so. Now in today's society, I would say that love is something that we are obviously trying to constantly strive towards. But I think even today, people are run by fear. I think that if we were run by love inherently, then we wouldn't see depression. We wouldn't see anxiety. We wouldn't see as on the levels that we are right now. Um, I mean, I could keep going, but that's pretty much like my opening. Opening thing. statement. Yeah. Hey, Dash, two minute rebuttal. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I completely understand what you're saying. And I think that, yes. I'm going to take notes. Yeah, like get, your, yes. get your pen out because I'm supposed to whoop you. Okay, good. <laughs> this is so fun. So, um, yeah, I think that people in society today are run by fear. Yes, that is completely true because they have been conditioned into that fear. So they have put on those fear goggles and duct tape them to their head because they are not coming off and for you to have that love inside of you like as your natural instinct is there yet you have the lenses on that block it from coming out if that makes sense yeah so I completely oh. agree like with what you're saying is like in history in the beginning of time People were driven to feed themselves, to clothe themselves, to have shelter, and to have the community space. So it's, and it's hard to say, you know, what, I don't know. I just watched this like documentary on like ancient Egypt. <laughs> and I was Wait, like, which one? The one on Wait, <laughs> the Saqqara 2 one? I'm watching it right now. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's good. Ancient Egypt's my favorite. So yeah, like just have like, <laughs> are people really coming from fear or is like their innate instinct to love? I, it's like still, I'm, yeah, you're having okay. a time convincing me here. I, I just think okay, that but we're having this debate. So you should be going towards love, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm still convinced that people are conditioned by society into having the fear base be the natural, like, not the natural instinct, but the like first response instinct. You're natural. Conditioned. Yeah, you're conditioned to have that response where mm -hmm. love is naturally there, yet society has conditioned you otherwise. Okay. I feel you on the conditioning so much. And I have two questions. One, do you believe that we carry on the, <clears throat> the, well, okay, first of all, what do you believe we're basically born with when we were, you know, what was it, 40,000 years ago? Do you believe that we were basically born with love as a survival tactic? 
as our basic inherent. Shit, Son, you're going deep. Do I believe humans were like created? Or do I believe they were evolved? I don't know. No, I'm talking. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different other that's conversation. What I'm talking about. Answer. What I'm talking about is our. It's. Ancestors. I mean, scientists. Yes, scientists forever have said that we still have a part of our ancestral brain um, from back when we were. For when homo sapiens first became a species species on this planet so if that's the case and we're still running with that ancient brain i think part of this conversation like i was saying has to do with what do you believe the fundamentals of that ancient brain was because if we're still carrying it then that's like fully a part of the conversation is it not yeah because then there's centuries of societal systematic conditioning of fear that is overpowering the love we were innately meant to have interesting okay so what makes you believe that we were innately born with that love as our basic instinct so not to get graphic or anything but when the baby is birthing out of the womb. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I promise. I, I know, I know. I promise I'm taking this seriously. You're just like, that's funny. Okay, continue. <laughs> Tash is laughing. That's why we're having a pause. <laughs> a pause. So I can get through with this example. You okay, got this. when a mother is birthing her baby mm-hmm. like she's like grabbing down to reach her baby out of herself mm-hmm. <laughs> are we children what is going on here <laughs> it's the way tash is delivering the information that's funny it's the way she's saying it go ahead tash <clears throat> just think of me as like a very charismatic someone else <laughs> delivering their speech <laughs> I'm also laughing by the way I don't know if people can hear that I'm not just like calling them children <laughs> like I'm also laughing yeah so, like the mother is like instinct is like you know having her baby safely into the world like mm-hmm. pouring that love the baby's coming into this world like out into the world with like loving arms like having embraced from the mother so Mm -hmm. and then if you want to go further back into the seed and the sperm that is a pretty loving act anyway (laughs) (laughs) um boom mic drop rebuttal (laughs) so I think that that is assumed that it's loving. I think if you take it from an evolutionary standpoint, why do we need to reproduce? We need to reproduce to create community. We need to reproduce to create safety. And so what are we creating that for? So that we don't die. So that we have basic survival. So to reach his point of self-preservation, And what is that self-preservation coming from? Is it coming from love or is it coming from fear? I'm still saying that it's coming from fear. 
I'm still very much in the middle here. So this is literally just me coming in to your point um, on the opposite side, because that's what I like to do. One of the words that you used, Jessa, was the word community. So what if, to Tasha's point, people are procreating and reproducing for the point of community and love? What would you say to that? I would say... I understand that and I agree with that, but I'm still wondering what the basic instinct of it is. Mm. So today's, like, especially today, or you can even say even back in time, in ancient times, where there's enough people around that they don't need it for survival and you're doing it for love. At that point, what is then pulling you forward for society still self-preservation yeah let's take a look at it through 2020 like we are in the present moment and you know whether we want to argue evolution or whatever like the ancestral brain through time and today if a child is born do you think that they are born with the love or with the fear as their basic reaction to situations? I think they're born with fear and given love. Hmm. And I think that they're born with love and given fear. So interesting. Wow. They cry because they're scared because they don't know what's going on. They don't know the world around them until they meet their mother's love and they're given given comfort but they are born with that innate fear and mistrust of what's going on in the world from my perspective. And this is all not to say that we don't have a capacity for love at birth. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is that our basic instinct is to fear the unknown. And when you're born, everything is the unknown. And I still believe that you're not necessarily born with fear or love. You're just like a selfish baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and my argument would be, look at any two-year-old. Mine, 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 mine. That is Mm -hmm. what is on their brain. That's what's on their mind. That's they, you have to teach children to share. You don't have to teach children how to be selfish. So that's where I was coming from with this. No, we're we're actually born with this self-centered nature. And then we are taught love. And you could argue that we are taught fear. Yet we're born neutral with just the self. I could get on board with that. (laughs) Oh, maybe this whole debate thing does work (laughs) yeah so have you guys ever heard like the acronym for fear Mm -mm. no uh, so I've heard this acronym in many personal development books that I've read over time and it stands for uh, fear F false E evidence A appearing R real false evidence appearing real. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How's that sit? <laughs> I'm like, and what's your point? <laughs> so my point is, is that if the if fear is the false evidence that is appearing real, then what is actually real? What are you left with? You're left with the self. You're left with other values. You're left with because I'm arguing love, <laughs> love. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what you're saying in that is that fear is not real. That's yeah. what she's saying, yeah. So you don't believe that fear is real at all? Well, now, as an NLP practitioner, I'm going to come from the NLP practitioner world, which is, no, it's an illusion. However, I understand that your definition of fear, Jessa, is survival instinct, right? And I, th- I don't know what the question. What was the question? What was the first question? What is our basic instinct? Right. Yet the emotion of fear, from an NLP practitioner's perspective, is that it is an illusion. Which just feeds into my point that humans are basic instinct of love. Because if fear is an illusion and it is just false evidence appearing real, we are just conditioned from birth to believe in fear rather than love. So what if fear didn't exist ever? I don't think humans would exist ever. Because as our ancient ancestors would wander into whatever and be eaten or torn apart by the climate or other animals. It's not, fear is not <laughs> false. It's right. there to help us survive. Correct. It is not false. You're, you're correct. I'm not saying that fear is false. I'm saying it's an illusion that can be blown out of your brain neurology. So let's say you had a, a, a survival instinct, okay, you, a raccoon sh- was coming right at you, and you're now triggered into fight or flight response. I'm not necessarily talking about fight or flight response. That is a trigger reaction in your brain to make a quick decision. Because in that moment when there's a raccoon coming at you, you don't have time to use the rational part of your brain. Oh, let me make a pros and cons list of whether or not I should run or fight this thing. And so the brain flips into a trigger reaction of fight or flight. Make a quick decision. Everything's accelerated. You can see faster. You can hear faster. You can make decisions quicker. You can move faster, right? This is all based in science. You react more quickly. Yet the feeling of fear, the emotional response is an illusion. Well, I'm talking about the feeling going on in your body that we interpret as an emotion of fear. Where did that come from? It's an idea. The rest, make a quick decision here. Get this figured out so you can survive. Yet the fear piece of it, when you go back and you do timeline therapy for people, they can see the decision being made super quickly and 
they can erase the emotional response. So that's what I mean by the fear is an illusion is that's just a way of saying we can erase it and still have the same response. But your definition of fear and my definition of fear are a little bit different. I think I was going to say, I think this comes down to semantics because I feel like we all must have a different definition of instinct as -hmm. well, because I don't think that we're saying the same thing. I, uh, my in like instinct to me sounds ancient sounds. What is that word? Primordial. Is that the right word? Primal. I don't know. Primal, (laughs) whatever. Um, Instinct is something that is in us. We're born with it as human beings, as homo sapiens from the very beginning. We're born with it. That is instinct to me. What is it to you guys? A behavior response. And I think that yeah, instinct is, so like the way that we are phrasing it, like natural instinct to me is like what you're naturally like the automatic, basically. What's your automatic reaction? So from those definitions, would that not depend on the individual person and not the human race as a species? Ask your question one more time in a little bit different way. Based on your guys' definition of it being a response rather than an inherent, you're born with it thing, would the um, argument of humans are either have this basic instinct of fear or love be based on the individual person, not humanity, not humans as a species? Hmm. That's a really great question. And I, because I'm not on the spectrum, my answer is out in outer space somewhere. My answer is still that I, I believe that love is outside of us. It is a gift. So I don't know that my answer even is relevant, but I'm curious to hear what Tash would say. Yeah. I was just thinking about how you were describing fear as it initially being thought moving into like your emotional plane and then leading you into some sort of reaction taking action in some way and as you were discussing timeline therapy which is like a time technique that we use in coaching um, I remember a time when I was working with you that we did a time a timeline therapy session where we went back to my birth where I was being birthed and I was letting go of trauma around the experience of being birthed and maybe that's why I can see that like as coming into the world through love and rather than fear because I've had that release on timeline therapy so I don't know. My mind is just kind of being oh, right now. Yeah. And I'm like, breathing just like- exploded. I need to explain. <laughs> I need to break this down for people that are listening. I'm like, what in the actual F did she just say? Because you just blew my mind, Tash. And um, I want other people to be able to understand what just happened and what was just said. 
So in timeline therapy, if you've never experienced it before, it's basically an opportunity for you to go back to your past. You're not astral projecting. It's nothing spiritual or creepy. It is a meditation where you go back and imagine what happened in the past, yet you're looking at the event, not from within looking through your own eyes, experiencing the event. You're looking down from a bird's eye view. And when you do this experience with a trained practitioner, you're able to see an outsider's perspective on what's happening. Then you take the learnings, which Tash, what I'm hearing that your learning was, was love. And you erase any illusions, any limiting decisions or negative emotions that were imprinted on that memory. Then you come back to now and all you have is your positive learnings and you do not have your negative emotions anymore. You do not have your limiting decisions anymore that were created during that event because you got an outsider's perspective on it. This is what's called timeline therapy. So what Tash just explained was she did this experience and released fear and only saw love and that that perspective is now contributing to her, her argument here that we are born in love because that's all she saw when she went back and did this exercise. So Boom. My brain literally just exploded. Me too. And I think this is also why it's so important to have a third option (laughs) because when you're given something that is black and or white fear or love, like yes or no, it's, it gives you like, it puts you in one of the boxes and limits your choices where Rachel is wonderful out in space coming up with new opportunities for us to see things differently and yeah I think that this is an evolving conversation where my mind is just like oh my gosh we just jumped into the recording without much pre-planning or anything (laughs) and yeah my mind is like oh yeah I can see both sides. I can see like where everybody's coming from. And I think that's like the important piece to get out of it is also we all have something different to say. Like there's nothing wrong with any of what we're saying. Tash, I'm like going to cry. I want to explain to people like how important what you just said was to me personally because... When we first hopped on the call, I was like, I'm not ready to record you guys. I'm in such like a a hard place. I feel like really down. I feel like people are so entrenched in their dichotomy thinking that they're just arguing with one another and not listening. And that really hurts my heart. And these two beautiful ladies just held space for me to be emotional and be upset. And they coached me around what was coming up for me. And that led us into this conversation And what I was frustrated by at the very beginning when I got on the phone is that people were not listening and that they were just becoming more entrenched in the dichotomy instead of floating up above it and seeing more choices. And what you just explained made me want to laugh. It made me want to cry. It made me want to jump up and down because you're saying you see both sides now and I can't, I actually can't put into words what that actually means to me, um, metaphorically, symbolically, emotionally, and spiritually right now there, there are no words, but that really made my day. 
Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, the like discussing it out and like being able to hear where each person is coming from, like talking through like, oh, what does this word mean to you? What does this word mean to you? Oh, shit, we have different definitions of that word. Maybe that's why we're not understanding each other. And then just having that conversation, like being open to it, it like has definitely like given the space where now, oh, my eyes are open to the other sides. I don't want to yeah. whip your ass so much now, Jessa. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as an outsider, I will say, I don't think either one of you won or lost the debate. I thought you both articulated your perspective eloquently and well, and I truly saw both sides. And I guess that's why I'm always in the middle because I'm like, yeah, I could see that. I could see that too. Cool. <laughs> I feel very differently from both of you as I've know, been like, just why, like what's silent. going on tell us <clears throat> well this is why I don't get into convers like debates at all like I don't even talk about politics with people because not that I can't see both sides but it is that confusion of people saying different things that and like having different definitions um that's really frustrating and so, I mean, obviously this is an inconsequential argument that we're having at the moment. Um, and I am really glad that like, you know, the outcome of this was helpful for you, Rach. Um, but yeah, personally, like I get, I, what I found more than anything at the end of this argument is more reason for me to just not argue. <laughs> because and it's not to say that I'm sitting here in my one side but I just want to go in I want to have this conversation for two more hours and keep talking about the nitty-gritty and not stopping where we stopped um so I don't know I don't know if that what that and I also feel like um there I obviously like understand the uh use of timeline therapy and I think that's so incredible Tash that you were able to go in and switch your perspective and switch something like traumatic to help you moving forward. However, what came up for me was like, well, because I have not had whatever that sort of experience mm -hmm. that I now need to, in order to see it a different way, I don't believe that's true. Um, I believe that I can have that different perspective and I'm not I guess what was coming up for me is like broken. It's interesting, right? Mm. Um, like that broken perspective. Okay. This is really interesting. And also what's coming up for me is I didn't think the debate was over at all. I was just wanting to break down what her point was because I was like, I don't think people understand what she's saying. And uh, it, I could be for wrong. Sure, Maybe for they sure. do. But I am. And also – I'm not, I'm really am trying to be in the middle. So if it seems like I'm taking sides, I'm not, I really am in the middle. Well, and, then, and this is a debate that was supposed to like sway, like that's what debate is, right? You hear out the yeah. other person and possibly sway them. So I'm not, I, I am not upset by being outnumbered here at all. I am upset or like I was triggered by the fact that this is why I don't debate with people because I go in too hard. I go in too much my other side. And like I said, not to see that I can't see the other side, 
but I want to do this for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and I want to do what's this what's interesting is I feel like that is how most people go into debates or arguments of, you know, and just what would it mean if they were wrong or this is where I'm coming from 99.9% of the time. What if there is no right or wrong answer? That is why I'm always in the middle because I don't believe in right or wrong anymore. Um, now, I'm not talking about morals or ethics or loving your neighbor versus murdering them. I'm not talking about right or wrong in that sense. I'm talking about right or wrong as far as having to choose a side. I don't think that um, that I have to. I think that there are arguments on both sides. I think that there's intelligent people on both sides. I think that there are reasons to be in the middle or consider this possibility, float up above the two choices and pick something higher. So, and I know that might not make any sense to anybody but me, but when we're talking about brain neurology, there's different levels of growth and above picking two choices is finding the best in easy way. And I don't pick between two choices anymore. I feel like that's an old uh, story for me. I just find the best easy way. So with that said, I'm very curious to know, Jessa, if you're willing to, to have this conversation mm -hmm. on recording. When you say, you know, you wanted to go for two hours, um, what comes up for you when you think of, convincing us or not convincing us um so I don't know that I'm so much trying to convince you I think halfway through when I asked that question of what are our definitions of these things that's what I was trying to get a more succinct answer from because that's where I want to meet people on is our actual definitions of things so I still don't feel like we got a solid answer of of the question that I asked in the middle when we went off on something kind of different, which is totally fine. Like that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, because I was so into this, I was like, fuck, no, I don't want to talk about something else. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, so that's what like riled me up. So at the end of the day, like, is it going to matter to me if I swayed you guys on this thing no it's not however in the in the um, context of better communication of being able to have an argument or a debate with one another I do think that it's very important which we've talked about before I feel like and that's such a huge part of um of the language that we use in coaching in general is the the understanding of each other's definitions of words mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where if that answered your question that's kind of where i was coming from um and where i was getting like so heated because i i felt from the very beginning of the discussion that we were talking about two separate things which is so funny because if you remember when before when we were off air talking about the election i was discussing about how so often um you know people in different camps will be talking about two completely separate arguments and trying to say that they're talking about the same thing and they're not at all right and so that subject in and of itself is really 
very important and interesting to me that we're all talking about where it's like they're saying different things but really they're meaning the same thing right well and important to define what it is that you're talking about yeah absolutely and to your point the reason why my answer was super long-winded is because I try to go for clarity over succinctness, but what is my definition of fear and emotion? What's my definition of an emotion? Something made up. That's my definition of fear. I don't know what Tasha's is. I don't know what yours is. That's and mine. That's so funny. Yeah. Because even so, if we take like the debate out of it, I was getting heated because I don't feel like emotion is something made up. You know what I mean? So I, and I also don't like, I mean, there's so much more, we don't need to get back into it, but like, yes, the definition of the things is what's making this We're We're all discussing for what, like 30 minutes using these words and these phrases that mean something to us individually, that totally means something to the other person. And then we're now all missing each other and missing each other's points. Right. Yes, exactly. And that's, we, I think we touched on this in episode three or four or something, but this happened in real time, real life, real play with us when we were talking about what to name our podcast and what the show is going to be about and, you know, how we were going to have conversations online and the simplest terms like conversations online or leaders or teachers, coaches, like we all came with very differing views on what that actually meant. And we all wanted the same thing, but it took us five hours to figure that out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. 100% definition of words matter. And it's oftentimes where people get stuck. Right. Well, and I think to your point, having the, though it might seem annoying or like what does it matter you know the little nitty-gritty details like I would argue that having those conversations made us stronger friends made us stronger Mm -hmm. business partners made our business as itself stronger because now we're all on the same page and I think that easily translates to our outside individual lives when you're having those conversations with friends or coworkers and you're making sure that you are talking about the same thing um, is so important because if you're not, you're wasting your breath. Truly, both sides are. If you're just yelling at each other, arguing with each other or fighting about something that you think you're talking about the same thing, but neither of you are talking about the same thing, you're wasting your time. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it's funny because, yeah, that's where I was at at the beginning when I first came to the call is frustrated by the fact that people are not listening to one another. And at the end of the day, I have people who listen to me and I listen to people in my life. So I don't even know why I was getting so upset about it. It's like, that must be fun for other people, but we have each other (laughs) and we listen. Can we break down the meaning of listening for a sec then? Yeah. So from my context, like talking about everything that we've discussed from, from that context, listening is that communicating of an understanding that you know the other person's definition of these major playing words. And actually it's not even major playing words. It's normal words sometimes. Um, and 
So uh, I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, Listens. You were going to talk about what listening means. Yes. So to understand the other person's point of view, when you are listening to somebody, it's not just like listening to be like, cool, what can I say back to them? It's listening and understand, truly understanding what they are saying, not what you think that they're saying. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And taking the time to like, we didn't have these conversations on air. I kind of wish we did now knowing what we know now, but we held space for each other. I mean, we were like crying over these different definitions of words and how important they were to us and how the podcast had to be this way and this way only. And whoever it was that was crying, because we all kind of took turns, <laughs> we held space. We all took turns crying. I cried. Jessica cried. Tash, did you ever cry? Or you just were kind of like, I have for sure cried. <laughs> well, I meant when we were having these conversations about coaching. I don't think so. I feel like you're kind of cool as a cucumber. It was me and Jessa. We're yeah. like, oh. And um, we were holding space for each other to have those emotions. And then saying, this is what I think that you mean. This is what I think that you're saying. And, you know, I wasn't even perfect at it the first time. Like, I really did misunderstand you for like a full day. And then we circled back around and we're like, let's talk about this again. So we can figure out, we can come to an understanding. And then it was like, I don't know, two or three days later, it was like, oh, click. Everything kind of clicked into place of what we were actually trying to communicate with each other that we were just misunderstanding over and over and over. But that's what real friendship is to me. That's what real listening is to me is coming to a place where you're like, maybe I did misunderstand the other person. Let me get more clarification or at least try to stand in their shoes and see what their perspective is. Um, even if at the end of the day, I disagree with them, but at least now I understand their perspective. Absolutely. And I think, I think too, uh, what you were saying, oh my God, we've been talking for too long. <laughs> No, go ahead. Oh, you lost your train of thought. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. I was just going to say so there's a difference to me between hearing somebody and listening to somebody. Mm -hmm. So you can hear what they say, you know, that's great. But have you really listened to what they said? So listening to somebody just goes that like extra extra step. Yes, I hear the words you're speaking to me, but exactly what Rachel was just saying, like, what do those words mean to you? Not just, right. How do they form a sentence? And right. to the person, right? Because I was using the word fear to mean, um, an imaginary emotion. And Jessa was meaning the word fear, using the word fear to mean an instinctive response, a human behavior. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Crazy. And it's hard too, you know, when you're in that state. So say from my perspective, like I am trying to listen to what you guys are saying, but I also am feeling very misunderstood in our argument. So not only am I going through my own emotions of being like, I'm not fucking being heard, but I'm also trying to do that listening thing on your end. And so at what point, like, 
how well can those two happen at the same time? I wonder, you know, like if I am trying and this is coming from people who we are constantly like figuring, trying to figure out how we're talking to one another and what's going on in our own brains. We're constantly trying to evaluate our communication styles. And then you think about people from that, you know, political perspective, which started this entire conversation that don't ask themselves those questions at all and are just coming at it from a point of view of this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think. And not to say that one is better than the other, but you can then very easily see how these conversations go from, we're trying to have a friendly discussion about something to, I don't fucking want to hear what you have to say. Right. Because, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, 100%. And then projecting, it's it's a back and forth projection of you're not listening to me and you're not understanding me and you're wrong. And that goes both ways. Right. Until people learn to listen for understanding, get definitions of words, ask clarifying questions. Um, and sometimes I think the, the the sad part that I see in our culture oftentimes is there's this kind of unspoken messaging that if you ask clarifying questions or if you try to get more deeper understanding that you're now agreeing with that person. And mm-hmm. all you're really trying to do is understand them and mm-hmm. there's now like it's like people are going to battle they're going to war like I'm not going to agree I am not going to understand where you're coming from because I'm right and you need to understand that I'm right and it's like well good luck you're gonna have a really fun time screaming at each other until you're both blue in the face then or you could take a couple minutes to ask those clarifying questions to understand their perspective and then just keep asking questions And then say, all right, this is what I think you're saying. Check for understanding. Would you like to hear where I'm coming from? And just take turns. I think really people just struggle to take turns. And if you think about it on like a basic human communication model, if say you and I are strangers and we're having a discussion, if we take the time to ask like these questions about what you mean or why do you think this or where are you coming from? Do you not, whether or not you agree with each other at the end, come out of it with some sort of stronger human bond because you focused your energy on trying to understand the other person on a basic level? Like that's what human interaction is. And I feel like, I mean, this is this, I mean, I get whatever, this is probably part of the conversation, but I feel like that's just our issue in general is that we do not try to understand in the individual person on a human basic level. Yeah. And I'll share what comes up for me. I don't know if this comes up for you guys, but oftentimes when I want to check for clarification or ask someone for, to explain something to me, I'm, there's a thought that goes through my head of like, are they going to think I'm stupid? Um, because I'm not stupid. I'm just not understanding this perspective. And when people come into an argument like that, right, it's like this, I don't want to seem stupid. So instead of asking Mm. for clarification, I'm just going to shout more facts. And it's like, well, nobody's saying that you're stupid. We just, we're not understanding each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that too. Like I'm 
I don't want to ask a question sometimes because even though I want more clarification and yet it's just been like the outside forces and my like own judgmental system saying like no don't ask that question because like people are going to judge you if you ask a question mm -hmm. and I've had experiences where you know that thought is reinforced by others actions and mm -hmm. so breaking away from that is like a, a habit that you have to form into like like building a muscle you just practice and it, it gets stronger yeah well I just want to say like anyone who's listening for like how can we apply our learnings to our real life Number one, when you do get into discussions with people, listen to understand, because hopefully if you listen to understand, you will be setting that precedent and that model for the other person as well. And if you project listening, understanding, and clarifying questions, you're going to get, hopefully you're going to get that in return. Um, so number one, listen to understand. Number two, um, make sure you have the same definition of words. If you're getting stuck somewhere, chances are there's a misunderstanding about a word definition. And so just ask more clarif clarifying questions such as, what do you mean specifically by that word? Or when you're talking about that, what's important to you about that? And you'll gather that more, you'll gather more information about it. Um, and the last thing is, Project on the other person love because we've been talking about love and fear and, and self-centered self behavior. When you project love, love is reflected back at you. So the best thing that you can do in any conversation with anyone is love that person, even if you disagree, even if you feel misunderstood, even if you're like, I'm being such a great model of great communication and it's not being reciprocated, it will give it time. I had to show up as the communication model for a really long time with my friends and with my family and with people that I had terrible communication with in the past. It took a while to change that pattern and it took a while of me patiently modeling how to listen to understand, how to ask clarifying questions, how to show up in love. And now that's being reciprocated back at me, even in relationships where I felt it was hopeless um, because I've set that precedent in my relationships and you can too. Yes, you can. I think that was a perfect way to kind of summarize what we have been talking about. Jessa, I know that you can still discuss for longer, but would you like to have any last closing arguments of why you think that humans' natural instinct is to react from a place of fear? Um, no. I feel like I could, yes, keep going, but I feel like I said the basic thing of what I wanted to say. But since we ended that argument, I think the thing that I'm getting most from this and what you just said perfectly reach is I would not have even agreed to have this conversation discussion argument had it not been that I knew coming into this that the three of us loved each other and we weren't going to make it a hostile environment no matter what our discussion was and even though I 
got upset, I still know because we've done this many times before, I still know that you guys are holding space for me. And I also know that no matter what you guys are going to say, I still love you guys. And I'm coming at it from a place of love and respect for both of you. So it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what I have to say anymore about our stupid argument. I just love you guys. That's it. And that's the thing. Like, it is just like a silly argument that we kind of wanted to lighten the mood around. And it is (laughs) yet a very big topic because fear and love are very much on the opposite sides of the scale when it comes to emotions and thoughts and actions. So I think that when I brought this topic to the table, I had something in mind like, oh, like maybe we could discuss disagreeing about our favorite Disney movie or something. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are like talking about like philosophical life topics of fear and love. And I think that Rachel said it perfectly is, you know, just come from a place of love and when you come from that, you're able to hear better, listen better, understand better. And that's all we want, right? Is understanding, love, and community. So, totally. All right. I think that is a good place to end this episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and catch us here next week on Babes with Hope. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Babes with Hope. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, or if you're looking to get involved in one of our coaching programs, you can reach us directly at babeswithhope.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.